Um, well, welcome everybody uh, to, uh, to Hope Denver once again. Um, you might hear some dogs and kids in the background here at my house, so apologies for that in advance uh, if that comes your way. But um, we're so excited you're here. Uh, my name is Scott. I'm one of the pastors here at, at Hope Denver, and I'm very excited to share with you uh, this evening. Um, if I had a chance to meet you, there's the dogs. <laughs> if I haven't had a chance to meet you, um, I hope that I get to next week uh, because um, we're, I'm not sure if you've heard, but we're planning to resume in-person gatherings uh, here at Hope Denver starting next week. Uh, that'll be on June 21st, um, Father's Day um, at 5.30 p.m. Uh, we're going to be meeting at the home of Luke and Krista Toll. Uh, they are some of the best people, an amazing couple uh, here in our church. Um, and we thank them for offering their home and their outdoor space to us this way. We're going to be meeting outdoors. Uh, so be sure to head over to hopedenver.com uh, to get all the details about where and how um, and all the guidelines that you'll need to be aware of. Um, a couple just to call out here. Uh, be sure to bring your own chair so you'll have somewhere to sit. Um, we won't be able to provide any uh, shared seating. Um, six feet of distance will be required. Make sure let's try to be diligent with that. And the biggest one, uh, if you're sick, please don't come. Uh, we really don't want to have an outbreak here um, at Hope Denver. So uh, if you or anyone in your house has been around anyone or you felt sick, uh, please don't come. Um, and that's the best way that we can prevent really anything like this uh, from happening at our church, uh, any kind of outbreak that way. Um, a couple other announcements to, um, to, to, to bring to your attention. Uh, there is a race and faith symposium that will be happening this uh, week on June 18th at 7 p.m. Uh, this is going to be put on by our friends over at Living Way Fellowship. Uh, and over at Living Way, uh, they're going to be, uh, this will be an interracial conversation um, with uh, some of the pastors there and a pastor, uh, another Foursquare pastor um, as well. So uh, we hope that you'll join us there. Um, you can register for that online and you can find a link to do that at hopedenver.com um, if you'd like to be a part of that conversation. Obviously, uh, we're going to talk a lot more today about kind of our current moment and, and, and what is happening from a, a racial perspective here in our country I and mean, how we as people of faith uh, can be a part of that. So we hope you'll join us there. Living Way is such dear friends of ours, and they've offered uh, to allow us to join them in this, uh, which will be an amazing conversation. Um, also, be sure to go to uh, the website while you're there. Uh, you can go to the hopedenver.com slash give. Uh, that's where you can actually continue to give during this time online. Um, obviously, this is the last time that we'll be remote here, um, but we'll continue to offer these streaming uh, uh, services. Uh, we'll stream even the in-person gatherings so that folks who aren't able to come or um, you know, you're not able to attend, we'll be able to do that. Um, and then also uh, benevolence. Um, you know, this is something that uh, we felt very strongly about um, as a pastoral team uh, here at Hope Denver, um, really providing um, an avenue for people to give to those who had need um, at the start of the COVID crisis. And so uh, we really wanted to make sure that you all knew that there is still uh, funds available there. And we'd like to see if there's any opportunity to share this outside of our church walls to people in your sphere of influence. Uh, maybe you know someone who's lost their job or been laid off or having a hard time getting back to work. Uh, we'd love to uh, share uh, a gift with them um, as a part of uh, your calling to be an, uh, uh, you know, share the hope of Jesus and share uh, what we're all about here at Hope Denver in your sphere of influence. So we hope you'll do those things. Um, as, we, uh, uh, as we continue on here, um, even in spite of getting back together in person, this will be a nice welcome change for some of us. Uh, but for many of us, we won't be able to gather yet or we won't feel comfortable gathering yet. So um, again, as Pastor Ike mentioned at the top, be sure to uh, join us um, here online 
um, go to hopedenver.com and you'll be able to see all of those uh, requirements and continue to gather uh, remotely uh, if you'd like. Um, so I'd like to kind of turn our attention now to um, this book that we've been studying, the book of Philippians. Um, and I want to continue this study today. Um, we are going to pick up right where we left off last week um, in chapter one and verse number 12. So if you have your Bible, you can begin turning over there to the book of Philippians. Um, and I'll go ahead and pray here um, and we'll get started uh, this evening. Um, Lord, we thank you so much, uh, God, for the opportunity to gather, even in this setting, uh, remotely like this, God, what a gift it's been for us to be able to stay connected. Uh, but Lord, we're so grateful for uh, the miracle that you've done here in the state of Colorado and what you've done with uh, the, uh, the COVID crisis here. Um, we're at a place where, Lord, we feel it's, we can gather safely. So keep us safe that way, Lord. Um, and as we gather tonight, God, um, there's uh, so much turmoil, uh, so much heartache, so much pain uh, that we recognize that's happening around our city, um, around our country, and around the world. And so, God, would you turn our attention for just a moment into uh, your word and what you have to say tonight, God, I step aside. And if there's anything that uh, you uh, would not say, don't let me say it, God. If there's what you want to say, would you let it come through me? Um, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, um, you know, ever since the, uh, the horrible murder of, of George Floyd on Memorial Day, um, our national conversation has been thrust into this discourse of things that are fairly uncomfortable to talk about, right? Um, white privilege, systemic racism, uh, many other topics that we don't generally have constantly on our minds are now in our face uh, every day. Um, even uh, this weekend, we had another uh, inexplicable tragedy uh, with uh, Richard Brooks in Atlanta. And um, this is uh, precisely the problem and why we find ourselves in this moment, I think. See. As a nation, we have for too long put off the conversation that we're trying to have right now. Um, we've consistently seen diversion of the conversation to something that justifies not talking about racism and not talking about the inequality that still reverberates from our past like an unwelcome pitchfork in the water. If you remember those experiments from science class where you'd ring the pitchfork and it would, you'd put it in the water and it would create these ripples. Well, we're now at a moment in history where that pitchfork from the past is creating these ripples in the water. And we can't just dive under the water while the waves wash over the top anymore. Uh, the waves will keep coming. And at some point, uh, we will have to face them. Um, and that time seems to be now. And so um, in this time, as, as many of you I know have as well, um, I've chosen to take the approach of listening, of trying to learn, trying to understand, I've done uh, so much reading and um, and studying and listening of, of uh, what folks have been saying. And as I've been doing this, what I've heard is, is the horrible pain, uh, the horrible suffering uh, that people of color in this country have had to endure. What I've heard is the reality of life in this country for people of color is that it's sort of like rowing a boat that's constantly taking on water. You have to keep the boat moving, but you're, you're always shoveling water out just to stay afloat. And what I've heard is the despair and the suffering that people of color have simply had to live with. And what I've realized in all of this is that one of the primary emotional responses that I have never attempted to bring to this conversation, and I don't know if many have, is this simple 
One, but such a powerful one, and that's this emotional response of empathy. See, what I've heard so many of my black friends and leaders and pastors and commentators saying is simply, will you just feel what I feel every waking hour of my life? Can you just feel that for a moment? And while I understand that I will never understand, here's one thing that I do know. If you want to find where Jesus is, you don't have to climb to the top of a mountain. You don't have to go on some trek. If you want to find where Jesus is, you just go to where there's someone who's suffering, to where there's someone who's hurting, and you'll surely find him there, caring and comforting the brokenhearted. See, if we're to follow Jesus, then it necessarily means that we must follow him into the suffering of our black brothers and sisters. And as I've attempted to steep myself in that reality, a reality filled with injustice and inequality, a reality filled with fear and with suffering, I couldn't help but be reminded of another sufferer, the Apostle Paul, who endured sorrow after sorrow himself. See, what the Apostle Paul reveals to us in this book of Philippians that we've been studying is that when we proclaim Jesus as Lord, and we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, when we encounter suffering in our lives and suffering in the lives of others, it can actually be a cause for joy. In fact, we can find deep, even meaningful joy, even in the midst of suffering. Now, this may seem counterintuitive, but Paul teaches us this. It is because in the midst of suffering that the gospel of Jesus can ring the truest and the loudest. See, in the book of Philippians, we find Paul writing to the church that he helped start in Philippi from a prison cell in Rome. And Paul was on his way to Rome to be a preacher, but he had to take a detour into this prison. And what Paul tells us right off the bat, look at verse number 12 here. He says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. That's verse number 12. That is the first thing to understand, I think, about how suffering can produce joy, and that is this. Suffering is not a detour. Suffering is not a detour. See, prison was no detour for Paul. While anyone, even Christians, might have been prone to pity him, he saw the startling potential in his imprisonment. See, the worst hardships he knew were often the greatest highways for the gospel. He continues and writes, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, he was wrongfully arrested, he was incarcerated, he was left for dead. What he says there is it has really served to advance the gospel. See, this is the silver lining. This is the thing that brings him joy. The gospel did not just survive his imprisonment, but it prospered while he suffered. You might even say that the gospel prospered because he suffered. Now see, none of us naturally responds this way to suffering, the way that Paul did. See, unexpected turbulence in life does not naturally overflow in bright hope and selfless love. 
See, apart from the grace of God, suffering will make us impatient. It'll make us selfish. It'll make us despair. And, and in turn, we withdraw, we turn inward, and we're often less concerned with or even aware of the needs of others. See, we cannot often see beyond the darkness that we feel. And see, this is why I think the emotional response of empathy in our current moment, empathy for our friends in the black community, for the black community at large is so critical. See, empathy helps us realize that our own circumstance, however dire it may be, is that there's always something to be joyful about. See, empathy helps us realize how grateful we can be for the life that we have and helps contrast the suffering that we may feel with the suffering that others might feel. And see, this creates a perspective where your mourning can turn into dancing. See, empathy and putting ourselves there in the pain of others for a moment, even though it could possibly never compare to actually living it. See, the grace of God meets our empathy and goes to work to create the opposite impulses of sorrow and pain. See, for Paul, suffering was not a distraction or an inconvenience or a detour, but it was a breakthrough for the spread of the gospel and the glory of Jesus. See, wherever the gospel goes, it brings hope with it. This is what our pastors at Hope Denver have been praying for in this moment that we find ourselves in is that the suffering that's been happening so far in 2020 and that's been brought to light in so many ways would not be a distraction. It would not be a detour, but it would be a breakthrough for the spread of the gospel in our city. See, this is what happens, friends, as we suffer, as we empathize with the suffering of others, as we suffer ourselves. It's that suffering reveals where our hope lies. Suffering reveals where our hope lies. How did this gospel run while Paul sat alone in his cell? Well, he tells us in the next few verses. He says, it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment are much more bold to speak the word without fear. <laughs> See, what he's telling us here is that suffering faithfully catalyzes the gospel in really powerful ways. See, suffering reveals our purpose and our treasure and what, we actually, what actually matters to us like comfort and security cannot. See, everyone knew that Paul was in prison for Jesus, for Christ, he tells us. See, many were only exposed to his love for Jesus because he was mistreated and he was confined. If he didn't suffer, they would not have been so powerfully confronted with his joy and with his message. And see, it's the contrast of his circumstance with the infectiousness of the joy that he writes with and the joy that he, he, he acted with that caused so many to take notice. <laughs> the Imperial Guard of Rome, even, for instance, they may have never heard the gospel at all if Paul had been not, locked, not been locked away there. See, this is the big point, friends. If you hear nothing else I say tonight, I would hope you hear this. Many will not be curious about the hope within us unless we suffer something that requires hope. Many will not be curious about the hope that's within us 
unless we suffer something that requires hope. And see, that's why, friends, 2020 can be a year that can be marked with joy. (laughs) Sounds crazy, right? But it's going to be a year that's marked in the history books for a long time. It's been a year where hope is so desperately needed. And that is a cause for joy. As followers of Jesus, we have an opportunity to present to our communities, to our city, to the world, that we have a hope within us that can be theirs too. See, the enemy may still believe that a thick fog of suffering will obscure the faithfulness of God. But see, faithful suffering brings God's glory into greater and even more compelling clarity. See, we cannot possibly hope to lead someone to hope if we have not led ourselves there first. Paul had seen this before. He had been through many hardships for the gospel that compelled him so deeply to continue on, to press on, to keep going. And because he had that hope, he knew that he could have joy. (laughs) He says in verse 18b and through 20 here, he says, yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. What if we all had this attitude about suffering? He says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. And that's the third point here, friends, is that we've already been alluding to this in terms of how suffering can lead to joy, and that's this. Nothing advances the gospel like suffering. (laughs) Suffering catalyzes the gospel in another way by encouraging and emboldening other sufferers. See, this is what Paul was trying to write to the church in Philippi. They had come under some kind of persecution. He doesn't allude to it specifically, but uh, something was happening there where the gospel that they were trying to preach was being suffocated. It was being trying to be stamped out. And Paul says, most of those people had become more confident in the Lord because of his imprisonment. And they were much more bold to speak without fear. See, those enemies uh, that had conspired to silence him, they could not stop or even slow the gospel even when he was in prison. Even that church in Philippi that had come under what was coming under, they had tried to crush Paul's spirit. They had tried to stamp it out, but see his testimony only threw gas on the fire of his ministry. (laughs) And as he suffered well, others said more. The church in Philippi continued to grow and they said it more boldly. (laughs) So the question for us, friends, is, Who might finally turn to Jesus in their time of need because they saw you joyfully suffer for Jesus? All these things that we've been going through this year, all these things that have tried to get in our way of being able to to be joyful and to, to experience the life that God has for us to the full. Who is it that needs to see you suffer well? Who might finally understand that the systemic racism in our country can no longer stand 
because you were the one to say it. It could be said that nothing advances the gospel like suffering. See, for those who love God, the Bible tells us in Romans 8, 28, that all things not only work together for the good, but they work together to perfectly display the wisdom and the power and the love of God. And against all our worst fears and assumptions, suffering well actually proves the gospel's power over and over again. And it spurs on the spread of the gospel further and faster by inspiring boldness in others. This is what Paul means as he goes on in Philippians 1.21, where Paul, a man who suffered more than most, as we've alluded to, he wrote, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. <laughs> See, this Christ, this Jesus, the Son of God, humbled himself to become a flesh and bones man like you or me. And being a man, an innocent and sinless man that he was, Jesus humbled himself even further to die in our place on a cross. He shed his own blood for my soul, for your soul. His broken body and poured out blood paid the debt for my sin. And in that sacrifice of Jesus, my sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross with him, and I bear it no more. <laughs> and see, this is what Paul is talking about. See, when this becomes our reality, even the last note in every loss, even in death, even in every trial, in every problem, when this becomes our reality, this gospel of Jesus, the last note is joy. <laughs> because nothing, no news, no one, no event, no loss can take Jesus and his love from me, is what he's saying. Not even death. And see, he says, when I close my eyes for the last time, that moment of greatest loss will be gain, Paul says. And see, when we believe in Jesus this way, we can have peace and faith and even joy when we lose everything because we never lose everything. <laughs> Regardless of what happens here on this earth, when we put our faith in Jesus, we'll spend eternity enjoying the God who became like us, gave his life for us, rescued us from our sin, and delivers us into this full and never-ending life. <laughs> See, friends, suffering may try to hinder, it may even succeed at halting some things in our lives. But God loves to use our griefs and our struggles and our pain to magnify our visions of him. Suffering makes the gospel run with a pace that we can't know in prosperity. <laughs> and see, church, this is the moment that's in front of us right now. <laughs> There's so much suffering around us. Some of it is generations long. And as Christians, as believers in Jesus, as followers of Jesus, 
we have an opportunity to show others what it means to suffer well. We have an opportunity to choose a posture of empathy with those who are struggling and who may not have had the foundation of the gospel in their lives to fall back on in this world that's been turned upside down in a matter of months. See, if you take that posture of empathy as you, as you suffer well and as you're right there with them, you can show them that hope abounds thanks to the gospel of Jesus. This is how Paul thought. This is why he was writing the way that he was, that he would, he would rejoice in suffering. And see, this is the point, friends. This is, this is a big point, that someone needs to see you suffer well. Someone needs to see you suffer well. See, if you look at Philippians 1.22, it says, if I'm, this is Paul again, if I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to be, to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. And see, when you suffer, think about the people watching you suffer and what they're learning about Jesus in the midst of that. See, Paul's words here in verse 24 might be the most instructive and often the easiest to miss. He says, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. It's amazing that even while Paul suffered in extraordinary and in horrible ways, even to the point that he considered and was torn as to whether it was better to go on living <laughs> or to die <laughs> in his suffering. He was still more concerned for others' faith and joy in Jesus than he was in his own circumstances. He was still more concerned for that I should stay here, I should remain here, I should keep going and keep going on even in the midst of this suffering because it's better for you. He knew that if that if they saw him and they knew that he was suffering well, it would be better for them. It would spur on their faith like we've been talking about. That's that key phrase in verse 24. See, Paul wanted others to know so desperately that God can be trusted. And no matter what comes, that the gospel cannot and will not be suppressed. He wanted them to know that Jesus really is worth everything that he might have suffered that we might suffer. And he wanted his followers to know it so badly that he was willing to continue to endure the suffering that he had to endure, to see their faith and their hope and their joy continue to rise. See, he wasn't writing from prison to garner their pity or the sympathy of his readers, but he was writing to rouse and fortify their devotion. What if we suffered with eyes like Paul's, seeing this remarkable opportunity to encourage and inspire others, especially those who are suffering? So that as he says, Paul does in verse 25, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. See, what it comes down to is this, and this is what Paul writes elsewhere in 2 Corinthians. He said, blessed be the God 
and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. See, we don't know all of God's good purposes in suffering, but we do know that he uses our suffering to prepare us to help comfort others. See, that means we, we often suffer, maybe sometimes severely, in ways that we, we may not understand. But because we haven't met the person who will one day be comforted by our story, that's why we sometimes suffer. See, greater suffering requires greater comfort from God, which makes us greater comforters for others. Someone needs to see you suffer well. Look at verse 27. It says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. <laughs> what a charge to live up to. See, I think what Paul is getting at here is we want others to finally meet Jesus because they saw him and how patiently we respond when someone hurts us. See, I think what he's getting at here is that we want a brother or a sister to come to press on because we kept praising God when the economy broke down and most of my family lost their jobs. See, I think what Paul is getting at here is we want someone who, who doesn't know Jesus or someone who has preconceptions about followers of Jesus to see us a little differently because of how we respond to protests over racial inequality with empathy and concern. <laughs> see, maybe we want another believer to speak up about Jesus because they saw that we shared with and maybe even were rejected by another of our coworkers or, or our neighbors. See, I think Paul, what he's getting at here is even as white Christians in this country, in America, who will never know the full extent of what our black brothers and sisters have experienced, who are suffering these effects of systemic racism, I think what he's getting at here is we can stand with them in as much empathy for their suffering as we can muster. And when we do it, we bring the gospel with us when we do. We represent the gospel when we do. See, I think what he's getting at is we want whatever we suffer, whatever we have to go through, however big, however small, to make God look all the more trustworthy and satisfying for anyone who might see how we respond. And see, when we become, when we come at a situation with this perspective, you better believe that Jesus joins us there. You better believe that the gospel will follow you into that situation. The Holy Spirit will follow you into that situation. And see, friends, this is a gospel that says you don't have to earn it. You may not even deserve it, but still you are a son or daughter of God with all the rights and privileges that accompany that title. <laughs> see, when we suffer well and we empathize with those who are suffering, 
We bring with us a gospel that says the color of your skin doesn't matter. Jesus loves you so much he would have died if it would have been just for you. He leaves the 99 to go get the one. It doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done. Jesus loves you. And see, at Hope Denver, we acknowledge that racism is a sin. It is a sin issue. It is a human heart issue. Racism is a manifestation of evil in our world. And friends, because of that, it is something that no politician, no judge, no government, no ideology can possibly hope to legislate away. We can't put our hope in government to legislate evil away. But when you combine those efforts with the message of the gospel of Jesus, one of hope, one of love, when we bring that gospel with us to everything we do and we represent it the best that we can, see people that are suffering, when they see us suffer well, that, friends, is when we will see real transformative change in our communities and in our country. See, when the deep waters and the hot fires come, I wanna know God like Paul did. I wanna know him so well that I can help others who may suffer great pain and loss find much spiritual fruit and hope in God. See, I think, friends, the best way that we can do this is to suffer well and to join others in empathy in their suffering. To join others in empathy in our suffering. And see, friends, I'm preaching this to myself because I've not always been good at this. I don't know if many of us really are. See, I don't think I have this all figured out. I'm often a pessimist and I see the worst possible outcomes of various scenarios. And I'm, if I'm being honest, these last several months for me have been hard. Um, I've often looked inward and gotten angry and frustrated and sad, like I'm sure many of you have. Um, I would say that I have not suffered well. But see, what God has been showing me and what I think Paul is showing us with this letter to the church in Philippi here is that when we recognize that the calling of the gospel and when we step outside of our own plight and try to put ourselves in the shoes of others, bringing true empathy to those moments, when we do this, this is when the gospel ignites. <laughs> and it's when it has the power to transform our world for all these reasons that you see on the screen. As we wrap up here, look at, look at verse 29. It says, for it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. And see, this is the final point, I think, in how we can find joy in suffering. See, as believers in Jesus, it is our calling to suffer. Whatever suffering comes, whatever pain, whatever disappointment, whatever trial, 
Paul tells us that as believers in Jesus, it is granted to us on behalf of Jesus to suffer for him. See, that's an interesting word, this word granted. <laughs> See, Paul is telling his followers in Philippi, and I think us now today, that it is our gift, it is our privilege, it is our calling to suffer well and suffer with others for Jesus. See, Paul suffered imprisonment and slander, beatings and worse. But he embraced his sufferings as his share in the sufferings of Jesus. He even desired that his share might be greater so that the share that his fellow brothers and sisters might be less. And Paul wasn't the only one who did this. <laughs> it's recorded that the original apostles, after being beaten by sentence of the Sanhedrin, the, San the Sanhedrin, they were rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. And that's in Acts 5.41. See, if the Philippians could view their own sufferings in this light, Paul thought, their joy would be greater. If we can view our sufferings this way, friends, then I think our joy can be greater too. It is our calling, it is our privilege as believers in Jesus to join with others in their suffering through, through pure, deep empathy. And it is our calling to suffer well with Jesus. It's our privilege clinging to his promises, treasuring his friendship and praising his name even when life is falling in all around you. See, some may not know how much they need to see you endure because their suffering hasn't come yet. But it will. And when it comes, they will remember those who they have seen suffer well. When we walk through the valley of the shadow of death with purpose and joy in God through ups and downs, your faithfulness and endurance can inspire fresh hope and fresh vigilance. The best way to do this is to empathize in the sufferings of others, modeling ourselves after Paul's empathy in the sufferings of Jesus. To, for just a moment, try and feel the despair others feel and do it with love and hope that we have in the gospel of Jesus. As we come alongside others this way, friends, in their suffering, we're fulfilling this charge that Paul is giving to the church in Philippi to bring the hope of Jesus to those in our sphere of influence. This is the manner in which we can conduct ourselves that is worthy of the gospel of Christ. What a moment we find ourselves in, church. A moment to, to show the world what it means to follow Jesus to love others unconditionally as he did. So friends, I hope as we go this week, you would consider your own suffering. Uh, undoubtedly, many of us have, but consider it joy. <laughs> consider it joy. Because as we can do this, as we take on empathy and the perspective 
of others, if we can do that even for a moment, then we can realize that there's always something to be joyful about, that God has given us this blessing, this privilege of suffering so that we can draw closer to him, so that the gospel can charge forward better than we could have tried in times of prosperity. This is the moment that we have in front of us, friends. What a moment to be resuming in-person gatherings next week for our church. Because when we do that, when we gather together, it's, it's to share with one another in our suffering. It's to share with one another in what's happening in our lives so that we can be filled up and go out to our sphere of influence and be joyful there, be able to empathize with others there. That's the vision of this church. Not that we would just gather and, and be okay together, but that we would go out after being filled up and bring this joy and this passion for the gospel of Jesus and see it advance in our, in our city. And see, friends, this week, I would also ask you to consider the suffering of our black brothers and sisters. We may never understand, uh, those of us who are white in this country, Friends, as we, as we try to follow the lessons of Paul here in this scripture, we can try to empathize with them and help it shape our perspective of what's happening in our world. And as we feel what they have felt in some small way, in some minute way, um, I would pray that it would spark something in you to share, so, to share joy with them somehow, to share joy of what it means to follow Jesus. And that friends, when we do that, when we can experience God that way, that's when our world will change. So let me pray as we, as we go. Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we thank you so much, Jesus, for this writing from Paul that just feels so timely, so uh, on point, Lord, with what you're doing in our midst even today here in 2020. And so, Lord, for those friends of mine who are on the other end of this, whether on a podcast or on this call right now or on Facebook Live, that are suffering, Lord, I pray that you would be there and comfort them. Would you join them, Lord, in their suffering? And Lord, would you bring us opportunities to be your hands and feet in those moments, Jesus, for the comfort that is needed in, this, in these times where so much suffering is around us, Lord. Would you help us to suffer well so that someone could see us suffering well? Lord, we pray for opportunities. I pray for opportunities for all of those who are suffering, that they would have an opportunity to share the love of Jesus in their suffering this week. And Lord, I pray that we would join with others in their suffering. In some small way, God, whether that's simply just contemplating, reading, listening, whether that's joining in locked arms, whatever that looks like, God, would you give us an opportunity to empathize in deep ways with the suffering of our black brothers and sisters this week, God. Lord, we thank you so much for this time. We thank you for who you are, Jesus, that your gospel tells us that no matter who we are or where we've been or what we've done or what the color of our skin is or any of that, Lord, you, you treasure us. 
and you died for us and you died even for our sin, God. Lord, we're so grateful to you for that. And let that wind of that gospel go with us this week. It's in your name we pray all these things. Amen.